Spencer Sanders. Uh, I think of him moving on from Oklahoma State to that. That actually reminds me. So you ever watched Yellowstone? A couple episodes. Okay. I think it's dumb as hell, but my wife loves it. Okay. So naturally, it's amazing. I uh, came in last night uh, from work and heard, I just kind of saw a scene and I heard a line that I want to start using. Tell me if you think this is a good idea or not. But it um, it doesn't make much sense for me to use it, but I think there's a specific use. And that was, there's I honestly could not tell you what was happening in the scene. This guy was leaving and he's like, all right, goodbye. And the guy is a character named Rip. He's an old, rugged, he old rugged cowboy. And he just goes, cowboys never say goodbye. And I loved it. And I immediately thought, if I... Oh, or Oklahoma State t-shirt right there. So, but even better than that. So you remember? Okay. I love social media announcements from like recruits. But what I really love is the guys who announce when they're not transferring. So remember when yeah, Grace... When Grayson McCall from mm. Coastal was like, I pissed Teal, which, call a doctor. But if Spencer Sanders hadn't transferred from Oklahoma State and announced he was coming back, if he just said, Cowboys never say goodbye, how good would that be? That would be pretty good. I'm going to start saying it when people say bye to me. I'm just like, Cowboys never say goodbye. The full line you got to get one of those Deion Sanders hats then if you're, <laughs> you're going right. to do that. No, it's funnier if, you, if nothing else about you says Cowboy. The full line is, Cowboys never say goodbye. It's, see you later when we're in the f***ing dirt. Hmm. I think it's good. That's a good line. Yeah. Sorry. I may make that my new cold open. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. This is Michael McGraw. I'm here with Michael Shutt as always. And today is May 2nd, 2013. No, 2023. 2013. We're going to throw back the clock. Boy, actually, that doesn't sound so bad. 2013? That was not a bad year. I'd go back to 2013. Uh, Let's make it happen. Science. Yeah, I mean, I, I was... I was still in college, so mm-hmm. good times. Pros, still in college. Some some things that are really bad in the world hadn't happened yet, like pandemic. Sure. Other things. Other other things. We don't want to say politically what you mean. By yeah, that, I don't but. want to alienate the audience. But, you know, I feel like we were pretty blissfully ignorant in 2013. I didn't know I was lactose intolerant yet. So I was oh. just, you you're, know. You're just going through it. Yeah. But like, was less worried about what I was eating and stuff like that. That was cool. Much better metabolism. Cons, hadn't met my lovely wife. Sure. She does listen, so I have to like. Mm-hmm. Hi, Claire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I say 2013. Let's run it back. Sure. But, well, it yeah, unfortunately... Time only goes in one direction. If you believe, if you I don't. Be, if you believe the people at big clocks, <laughs> that uh, that oppressive industry. Hey, I learned a fun fact this week. Okay. Yeah, it's not related to anything we're going to talk about. Okay. You familiar with Dave and Buster's? Sure. Okay. Did you know their full names? No. All right. This is going to blow your mind. All right. Dave Barnes 
and Buster Noble. Barnes and Noble. They're the same people. They own they created yes, both. It's the same exact two guys. Did they just have like one of them was really into games and parties and drinking, <laughs> and the other one was like, you know, uh, the book well, guy. The book guy. You that, gotta think Dave Barnes was the book guy and Buster Noble was the party oh, guy. Yeah, Noble. Yeah. Definitely a party name. Mind absolutely blown. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. It gets crazier. Okay. Totally made it up. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Not real at all. But I had you for a second. You did. Yeah. It's good stuff. And I like to imagine that people are going to be listening. And for that, like, 20 seconds, they're going to be like, oh, my God, this is crazy. In fact, what makes me happier is the idea that somebody would pause the podcast, reach out to someone in the house with them or somebody, whatever, and just be like, oh, my God, honey, do you believe this? And then hit play again and be like, feel like a real idiot. Mm. And then the test is, are they going to pause it again to tell them, never mind, that wasn't real? Or are they going to gaslight someone they love? <laughs> They just have to lean into it. They're like, that's just their new truth. Because then, then the best thing is like, if if that person, like, let's say it's somebody's spouse, if then they Google it, it's like, this is not real. How hard will that person dig in and be like, no? Because like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, uh, I don't know how much he listens, and uh, I love you, Dad, but you're a stubborn son of a gun sometimes, and. I could see my dad being like, no, I read this somewhere and and trying to argue it. That's a a shut man thing. So I probably would do it too. I feel like this is a thing now where, you know, particularly with chat GPT, where you can get endless information, but every once in a while you'll type in something and it'll spit back something out out, that's just totally not true. Right. Like they'll spit out a quote from somebody and you'll look it up and it's like, yeah, they didn't say that. I mean, it sounds like something they'd say, but that's not true. 100%. Anyway, I've been gaslighting people with that all week, so I thought I'd bring it here, too. (laughs) Send in your hate mail to preferredwalkons at yahoo.com, or you could follow us on Twitter or Instagram, pwopod, where you can come up with other lies that you... (laughs) Maybe we'll read some of the funniest lies we get. Yeah, and now just uh, see if anybody believes anything I say in this episode. I mean, I certainly don't. So... I mean, I don't value your opinion anyway, but All right. I first on I our know list, my wife was my co-host okay. now. <laughs> first thing that we were going to talk about, the NFL draft. This is a podcast primarily about college sports. And so the NFL draft is one of those like bridges between looking at all of a college athlete's career and then they go off to the NFL where we don't have to cover them anymore on this podcast. But... <laughs> I thought it was a really interesting NFL draft, and there were some pretty cool storylines overall. I mean, just, you know, personally, first of all, just opening the NFL draft with a ceremony for the three UVA players and giving them recognition on stage was a pretty cool, uh, if not bittersweet moment. Mm -hmm. Then you get into the actual draft, and the Eagles just continue to hoard national championship caliber defensive lineman uh, from the University of Georgia. What stuck out to you as you watched the draft? Yeah, sure. So that, um, that's one of them, right? The It seems so simple. They're obviously good players. The, uh, the Georgia teams over the last couple of years have been so good, and particularly the defense. Not only are they NFL quality players, but then you also have the chemistry factor. These are guys who have played together. So now you're going to have a defensive line with Jordan Davis next to Jalen Carter again. And they already know how to play off of each other. Uh, You know, thinking about the linebacking core and 
Nolan Smith joining uh, Nicole B. Dean. Like, they know how to play together. And then on the back end, you add Ringo sort of in there as well. I just think, like, it seems like kind of a no-brainer to, to pull this off. And, I mean, Howie Roseman, like, making the deals that he needed to make to, to, have, to, to grab these guys, they're all athletic freaks. I guess part of me was thinking, like, is, is there really precedent for this? Has a team ever gathered this many? I don't think this many. Like, this is a whole other level. Particularly just in two drafts. I mean, yeah. just basically the entire line from <laughs> two years ago's national championship team. and Yeah, it's kind of crazy. So that stuck out to me. You know, obviously this was an exciting draft for me in my NFL fandom. I'm a Panthers fan. So having the first overall pick is obviously thrilling and you know, presents even within itself a, a unique situation where you have, you know, on the tape and just and even like stats, just how he plays. Bryce Young is one of the best prospects we've seen in a long time in terms of how he plays the quarterback position. But also like he's the same size I was in like third grade. So that's a little worrisome, I would say. Still super intriguing. I, you know, I think that you sort of have some really interesting trends in this draft. Crazy year for uh, tight ends and slot receivers. I, I think that either that even that shows sort of a trend in how the game has gone, right? Where you have sort of an emphasis on super shifty small slot receivers, but also these kind of move tight ends. These guys who are able to... Um, change the game as pass catchers and not just inline blockers. And, and I mentioned earlier talking about the, the Georgia players that the Eagles drafted, lots of athletic freaks in this draft, just guys that jump out to you in terms of their physical traits. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a, this is a fascinating draft in that way. There's a lot of guys whose, whose athleticism doesn't quite match their production. And what does that look like at the next level for a variety of people? One of the things lingering on your fandom and my fandom as a Panthers longtime Panthers yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I I guess subscribing for year two. Uh, Let's do it. One of the things that always strikes me about the NFL draft is that there's like this consensus that comes out with people's boards and all the talking heads. And there was like pretty, you know, briefly it looked like CJ Stroud might go one when the Panthers traded mm-hmm. up, but then it kind of settled on Bryce Young there. And everyone was like, well, this is a clear choice. Uh, great quarterback, amazing at processing what he's seeing, even though he's kind of slight in size. Sure. And then the draft rankings come out. Mm-hmm. After the, but the same people that do these things, yeah. who had him going one, and they're like, well, you know, Anthony Richardson is probably a much more interesting yeah. quarterback. And, uh, you know, people... It, it's also really funny when you see the... Like people convince themselves with San, uh, uh, Will Levis in particular that everyone was like, oh, could he go two? Maybe even one. Yeah. Maybe there's some rumors that maybe yeah. he'll go one. Oh, he'll definitely go four to Indianapolis. And then he doesn't even go in the first round. And then people are like, oh, yeah, no, I never really thought he was that good of a prospect. So it's kind of like this social experiment, which is why I actually really like the NFL draft. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, what do you think these people are going to do? Mm-hmm. But it also... I don't know. It's always funny when there's like a consensus one. There, Bryce Young has been the consensus one pretty much since the Panthers made that trade. Right. And now everyone's kind of like, well, maybe they could have chosen someone else. Well, because it's, I mean, it's just like politics. What do you have to talk about if everybody agrees? 
you have to generate some controversy. So the Will Levis thing is a perfect example. Uh, Mike Mayock was doing an interview where he was talking about like, look, around this time of year, you got to understand every NFL decision maker is lying to you all the time. So there's so many smoke screens out there. And then there's stuff that members of the media just create because they got to turn in an article or they got to go do a spot on SportsCenter and they got to have something to talk about. So the reality is, if you pay attention to what a lot of people have been writing, is that most of the people in the NFL who are really plugged into decision-making processes, nobody believed that Will Levis was that high. Obviously. Otherwise, he would have gone that high. So clearly the truth is that none of them thought he was a first-round talent. Definitely not a top-five talent. But we were sold that narrative all this time. So same deal with Bryce Young. Basically, what from what it sounds like, from when her... Everything I've seen is most people agree. Yeah, if I had the number one pick, I'm going Bryce Young. But we still have to have something to talk about. So it's boring if you come out even after the draft and be like, yep, they nailed it. Of course they picked him, right? The NFL is so adamant, too, that like the Panthers didn't tip their hand before the draft or anything like that. They're like, no, like they, Frank Reich especially, and Fitter, Scott Fitterer, the GM, made it pretty clear that like they knew and they even were saying in interviews yeah we know who it is (laughs) but they were hinting at the fact that the nfl basically didn't want them to say so you you have to generate some kind of uh interest around it every year at the draft i am reminded i think a lot of sports media sometimes gets over criticized draft media though is generally pretty awful it's all fake narratives they have no idea what's going on they don't know who's taking who they just don't all of this build up and we can we don't have to go outside of the first three picks all of this build up to this whole thing okay so are the texans even going to take a quarterback who do they like maybe they go anderson did you see anything that said they were going to trade up and have both the second and third pick? I did see one. There okay. was one person who did suggest that they were going to pick it. I, his name escapes me at the moment. Gotcha. That's literally one. I had seen things that said they might take Anderson instead of Stroud. I, I had never seen anything before that said they were going to take both. I had never seen anything before that said Detroit was going to take Jameer Gibbs at 12. Yeah, no. Like, not That one didn't make any sense. Or that Michael Meyer would fall out of the first round. Or... None of this stuff. We'll love it. Again, like all of it is just everybody's just kind of like searching around with their eyes closed and maybe you find something right. The reality is the people who know what's going on are the decision makers and they're not telling you because why would they? So it's just like we're all guessing. You just got to sit back and kind of wait. Yes, you get some things where it's like, you know, I think of the Panthers had a couple later rounds, like second second round pick, uh, the receiver Mingo from Ole Miss. Chandler Zavala, the lineman from NC State that they took. They had been connected to those guys because of visits and stuff like that, but it doesn't mean that you know they're going to take them or whatever, especially at the top. People are so secretive. But I do love the draft. I think it's exciting. I think it's fun to think about as soon as a team drafts a guy. Ooh, how does this person fit in? And I can't wait to see how this coaching staff is going to use this person. And, and yeah, it's, it's a fun time. I think it's funny. My funniest storyline coming out of this was given the focus on the Eagles selecting so many Georgia players, Mm -hmm. you run into a situation where the Chargers end up drafting three TCU players. Yeah. uh, Quentin Johnson in the first round, Darius Davis in the fourth, and then Max Duggan in the seventh round. 
And Brandon Staley came out and was like, hey, TCU is just as good as Georgia and Alabama. That was kind of our read on it is this is the same level program and we just wanted to get as many of those kids in our team as possible. Cool, man. Good luck. Good luck good, with that. Good thing is Brandon Staley never makes like overly confident, weird decisions that don't work out for mm. him. That guy, again, I don't want to get too much into the NFL, but... That guy, I don't think he'll be around. I mean, I would assume there's overlap. Some of the people who listen to this probably also enjoy the NFL, you know, on some level, and, and, and or at least have some intrigue. You know, so I think that, that it's fine a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's guys like that. And you see it in college, too. These coaches that you feel like just kind of they outcoach themselves every now and then, and it feels like sometimes you could be doing that with your personnel decisions as well in terms of who you're drafting. I mean, I have no problem with those specific guys that they're drafting, but if you think TCU every year is going to be producing the sort of talent that Georgia and Alabama have over the last decade, like it's just not happening. Well, I think it's just you. the thing about the Eagles drafting that many Georgia players, it is so different than what the conventional wisdom has been, is just draft the best player, even if they're in like a – D2 or sure. FCS school or sure. whatever because you are trying to fit a specific need for your scheme, your team, mm-hmm. the people that you have around you. And it doesn't matter where they played mm-hmm. if what they're showing on your evaluation is strong. And so it's interesting. Like, I, I do think that there's some level of quarterbacks, you know, who did they play in college? Right. Did, right. did they face an SEC defense every week or whatever? Maybe that you know, tips the scales for some people, sure. but in other positions, it's like, can this guy catch the ball? Can he run? Can he block? Whatever. I, I think, like, I think the Eagles are giving consideration to the fact that these are Georgia guys, and that's an elite coaching staff, and they've had success, and so they know they're prepared. Right. Right. I, I mean, I think that that is, but but to that end, like, what body of evidence do we have to suggest that Sonny Dykes has prepared these people for the NFL any better? You know, like. Then got him in the national championship. Sure, which is great. I'm not saying that, like they're they're talented players. I, I like I think uh, Johnson in particular is going to be a very good receiver. I think Duggan could surprise you and plays be a very competent backup NFL quarterback. <laughs> Maybe start some games here and there. I think he I think he's the next Chase Daniel. But like, cool. It, it doesn't again. It's not like <laughs> TCU's this new factory for NFL players. The way that like Georgia has has just put out so much talent to the point where even I look at like Stetson Bennett getting drafted to the Rams. I'm like, yeah, that maybe I don't know. Maybe that guy ends up being a real NFL quarterback. Like I could talk myself. He hasn't hasn't lost. He hasn't lost in college. Yeah, he's the guy. He is that guy. He is him. And he. This is a fun fact for you. He was recruited in the same class as Matt Stafford. (laughs) They're the same age. So. You know, they've got that bond together. <laughs> he, You know, I heard in high school he backed up Johnny Unitas. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he is about to be 26, so that's... Yeah, he's old, sure. But, like, Hennon Hooker's old, too. I, that, that's actually an interesting thing that happened this year where it seemed like there was more of a shift for... And I, I think some of it has to do with COVID and players staying around and transferring... Uh, getting an extra year of eligibility, but there did seem like there are a lot more older players, particularly in skill positions, that teams, I feel like in the past, would have passed over. Like, if you were a senior quarterback, Mm -hmm. why didn't you leave early? 
Sure. You know, and where they could get that young development time. Teams, yeah. you know, the fact that Hendon Hooker coming off an ACL tear and being 25, you know, was somebody that a lot of people were looking at in the first round and still could easily be a starting NFL quarterback. He'll be 26 pretty soon. I thought that was interesting. But, I mean, I think that you, the way that sports science has evolved and training and, and being able to prolong careers of players outside of, like, basically running backs, right? That seems to be the only position. And, I mean, receivers, you don't have a, a ton of a shelf life. But quarterback in particular, you've got... I mean, Brady, I mean, I, I'm not saying Brady's the norm, but he just played to 45. Rodgers is like 40. Breeze played to, you know, you've got more of these guys who, if they are that high-quality player, it's clearly possible now. It's because you can't hit the quarterback these days. You I mean, gotta, yeah. gotta hit them. I mean, I, honestly, though, they are way more protected, which prolongs their careers, and unless their name is Cam Newton, in which case, they're fair game. But <laughs> the, like... This is this is why even so it's not just age size. Look at Bryce Young. The reason why I think he is now considered a viable prospect at number one is the idea that, like they're not just going to be able to tee off and hit him. That's not allowed. Versus ten years ago, you would never draft a 5'10", 195 quarterback. There's just no way because you're going to assume even if he's not getting his passes batted down like his name is Baker Mayfield, he's going to crack in half, you know, in game two. But now, like, that just doesn't happen. Speaking of slight people, yeah, I know that from the Sabre boards, there are still at least nominally a few Commanders fans that frequent mm, the Sabre boards. And, uh, so, and being from D.C. myself, I do follow them pretty closely, even if I cannot claim to be a fan. Their first-round pick of Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, he led the country in pick sixes Mm -hmm. from Mississippi State. Mm -hmm. This dude is 166 pounds. He's he's slender. I like him. He's a hell of a player. Yeah, no, I... Sure, but (laughs) 166 pounds? How... And he's not, like, super short, is he? No, he's not. He's six feet tall. Right. So, like, he's... That BMI chart, man. Like it's gonna be. You gotta bulk up, fella. Yeah, yeah. He's. I'm sure they'll. You know, they'll get him on a with with NFL strength training and nutritionists and stuff. He'll 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 bulk up. But that is tiny. I didn't realize he was that small. Yeah. I assumed he was like 180 something. But how's he gonna tackle somebody? Yeah, you don't have to anymore. Oh, he's just two hand touch. Okay, sure. Um, question for you about that is we don't you know post. Post Danny Snyder, you gonna get back into that? Now that the Wicked Witch is gone, I will say that Does that it make makes it more palatable. Me, it makes it more palatable. There's still a lot to be desired right now in the whole overall franchise. Sure, I mean it's tough to just immediately jump back on board with an organization that's been terrible and has a stadium that is out in the middle of nowhere and is horrible to be at and has sewage falling from the sky and hey the passing game wasn't that bad well sam howell's the quarterback now so or or jacoby Brissett. yeah they i think run they draft a quarterback i don't think they did they did not draft a quarterback had an opportunity to so yeah i mean that might just be a time in my life that is 
beyond me. Okay. I don't know. But well, welcome, welcome I'm, to the Panthers bandwagon. Have I am happy that de- Dan Snyder's not. Have there. we officially decided we're doing season two of Panthers fandom? Yeah, I think so. Let's I think go. I'll do that. Let's go. I my wife is a Jets fan, and with Aaron Rodgers, I don't know. Yeah, she re- she sometimes <laughs> listens to this podcast. This. Yeah, I recently heard someone say this about Aaron Rodgers, and then I want to move on from it because right. I don't want to think about it too much. Someone said that, hey, I like Aaron Rodgers, not as a player, but as a person. <laughs> I really was like, surely they got that did mixed Aaron, up. Did but... Aaron say that? <laughs> I Seems doubt like something it. he might have said. I doubt it. Well, we mentioned Hendon Hooker, and um, he's on my list of prospects, players that I'm I'm really excited about in terms of where they fit in with where they got drafted. And and I, and I was kind of thinking about these guys from college. I, I'll just kind of give a quick list of, of guys I'm excited about. You know, Hinton Hooker, just the way he played at Tennessee, and now he's got a chance to recover for a year. Basically, Goff's contract situation up there in Detroit uh, gives him pretty much a year to, to get him ready to roll. I'm obviously excited about Bryce Young. There's a couple other ACC guys that I'm really excited about seeing at the next level. Um, I will start very uncharacteristically with a Carolina player, Josh Downs in in Indianapolis. The he's so perfect for what the NFL wants out of slot receivers these days. So quick and shifty. You've got a rookie quarterback there now, and Anthony Richardson, who and Gardner Minshew is there as well. So I don't know who's starting day one, but having a slot receiver that can get open so quickly. Um, in these shallow passing routes, quarterback's best friend. Really same thing in Seattle with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Combining him with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, like Geno Smith going to a Pro Bowl again. A couple other ACC guys, uh, Zay Flowers. Same deal in Baltimore. You got Lamar Jackson, some wide receiver help. That's awesome. And then uh, Kalijah Cansey, the D-tackle from Pitt uh, that Tampa Bay got. It's like Aaron Donald 2.0. I don't know if he's going to be that good, but... Just a lot of fun to watch in terms of athleticism. Um, and like I said, I'm excited about all the tight ends. And unfortunately, I'm excited about uh, Bijan Robinson in Atlanta. I mean, the value in a top 10 pick probably isn't great, but... He's going to he's gonna have... It's amazing. It's amazing that despite the fact that almost everybody seems to think that that was an overdraft just because of how unimportant running backs are comparatively to other things... I mean, he's almost certainly going to be the rookie of the year in the NFL. They're going to hand him the ball. Like, he's just going to immediately show up in Atlanta and take over 90% of their carries. And you can play him. You could, you know, they they used Patterson this past year as a receiver and a running back. They they really do play as much as this exists, like positionless football Mm -hmm. as any other team in the NFL. And so he's so dangerous uh, catching the ball. Uh, with checkdowns and playing out in the slot, I, I think he's going to have an amazing year. I, I love that pickup for them specifically, particularly paired with the other players that they have. A couple other ones you mentioned, some of the ones that I was excited about, Zay Flowers in particular, just seems like such a great fit for Baltimore. Uh, Dalton Kincaid mm-hmm. uh, being the tight end in Buffalo, that is just going to be Finding somebody else who can consistently catch the ball other than Stefan Diggs is going to be really, really important. Also love the 49ers just drafting a kicker in the third round and not even the consensus top kicker. Just were like, oh, yeah. like they they got logged off of their <laughs> fantasy draft and oh, no, a kicker uh, to fill their roster. 
Like, and like I, the recent history is it doesn't work. Drafting kickers that high has not. Hello, uh, Roberto Aguayo. Was that his name? Mm-hmm. The kid from Florida State. Yeah. Bad. That was a second round draft pick. Tampa. Tampa. Spent a second. There are a million kickers out there. You can try them all out. Christopher Dunn, NC State, the Groza Award winner, went undrafted. And I get it. He doesn't have the strongest leg, so it makes sense. But my point is, you could go have the guy who was the best kicker in college football last year without spending a draft pick. Why are you drafting a kicker? Somebody drafted a punter. Like the Bengals did. Right. What the hell are you doing? Yeah. Not great, but, you know, 49ers are one of the best teams in the league, so maybe they just decided they didn't need anything else. They're going to line him up at running back, and he's going to beat a 1,000-yard <laughs> rusher in Shanahan's offense. Yeah, also just a quick shout-out to the Seahawks, who is a franchise I totally despise having a really great draft, I thought, with yeah. De- Devin Witherspoon and the best cornerback. I love seeing all of the highlights of him just blowing people up in the backfield. And then Jackson Smith and Jigaba, like, that guy is going to immediately just slot in and catch the ball a million times. And wow. and they drafted uh, the running back out of UCLA. Zach Charbonnet. To pair with Kenneth Walker. Like, the UD- I always like to pair my Charbonnet with. <laughs> That's nice. That's good. That's a good like fancy team name out there somewhere. Mm. Way to do that. There's a lot of, um, of particular interest to me. There's There's been some people upset that like there are a lot of NC State guys that didn't get drafted. But it makes sense. They all have, like, athletic shortcomings, you know. Like, I mentioned Christopher Dunn, the kicker, short, uh, kind of a weak leg. Isaiah Moore, really good college linebacker. He's going to struggle in coverage. Maybe he gets a chance. Thayer Thomas, slot receiver. He's not very big. He's not very fast. He catches everything. Maybe he catches on in a way that, like, Hunter Renfro did. I don't know. Give me other stereotypical, unathletic white receivers that have done fine. Drake Thomas, linebacker, Raiders, I think he has a good shot. There's a lot of guys that have, have gotten chances. I know UVA had a couple of guys drafted. I like UVA uh, had one dra- guy okay. drafted. Dontavian Wicks got drafted with the Packers. I like that one. Fit I, a lot. I like that fit a lot too. But then the other receiver went got signed, right? Uh, that yeah. I thought I saw. Keaton Thompson yeah. did and uh Johnson, the cornerback, right. also That's got signed it. immediately. Yeah, it was uh I've seen some people kind of dissing the ACC for the number of draft picks they got, but it actually was their, one of the better years they've had in the last few years. So they had finished with 32 players being drafted, which was the second best draft for the ACC since 2018. So, you know. Two first rounders. Zay and. Top of my head. Kalijah Kansi from Pitt. Right. That's it off the top of my head. Jameer Gibbs did play at Georgia Tech before. Let's count it. Count it? I think it counts. Um, Georgia Tech needs all the help they can get. Boy, don't they. Yeah, you know, I I get it. I think that it's not as much top-end talent from the ACC maybe as you'd like to see, but I say give it time, man. Some of those guys are are real real players, and I think that there's going to be some good careers coming out of there. So it was a fun draft. Now we get to go on to, in, in draft season, start thinking about the NBA draft. But mm. we, we, we can save that. I, I think we should definitely do a mock draft for, the for NBA, us. Because it's much easier to... Right. I think it's much easier. Yeah. I'd love to do There's that. only two rounds, so you can only be wrong at max like 60 times. 
Yeah. Whereas in college college football, you can be wrong for seven times 30, however many draft picks. You just keep being wrong (laughs) hundreds of times. You know, I didn't even see who Mr. Irrelevant was. It's a D tackle, I think. Really? That's kind of boring. It's not not a quarterback. I feel like that's what I would have done. No matter Toledo. No matter what it is after Brock Purdy, I think you just have to draft a quarterback there. Yeah, take a shot at it. And there were guys available. You know what? You know what? I I would have drafted that um, D two quarterback. Oh right, Tyson, the the one that got the the basically TV show on ESPN. Yeah, Yeah, big old Sports Center feature. I would have definitely drafted that guy. He's like, what a story, right? If you end up with a Division two quarterback who's Mister Irrelevant, if he becomes good, then it's the ultimate marketing campaign. It's already written for you. The Disney movies are, it comes pre-made <laughs> with some former high school musical star or something. Yeah, what's, uh, well, what's that guy's name? Zach? Efron. Zach Efron. He's, he's too old He's to probably like now. 52 now. They probably cast somebody he, from like Outer Banks. He and Matt Stafford and Stetson Bennett, all quarterbacks at Georgia at the same time. They were all, it's crazy. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. So, all right. So should we move on to talking about a, almost a different type of uh, player management system. College football portal just had its spring period where play, non-graduating players could take 15 days to announce themselves in the portal if they wanted to, which followed a lot of spring games that happened. And uh, one, Deion Sanders, your head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, See in the news, he's almost never there. He had his spring game, and then immediately, a whole bunch of people left. Yeah, I saw this. On, I saw this online, which I can't I haven't been able to confirm since because I just saw it a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. There was a report from Dennis Dodd that he had nine scholarship players on the roster right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Nine, but that's before. The, the transfer people are officially arrived, but right. still, sure, that's crazy. It is crazy, and I think that it's so interesting. And I, I hardly know where to start because I feel like I have, I have a lot on this, and I feel like there's definitely some good and bad here. I think that on the one hand, the thing I saw me was like, why do these guys play in the spring game? Like, if you know you're, you know, why do this? You go out there, star in the spring game, and then leave. I kind of think it's great that, like, you know, Dion caught a lot of flack when he came in, and you had that that clip of him basically telling the players, like, hey, I'm bringing my own baggage, so, like, you might as well pack yours and get on out. But then, like, to give him a chance to play it, I mean, obviously, like, you got to have somebody out there for the spring game, I guess. But to give him a chance to go out there and play, show what they got, then enter the portal. So the, the guy... Um, First of all, love this name. Montana Lamonius Craig. That wide receiver that had like 168 yards in their spring game. That is a great name. It's so good. <laughs> Sorry, I just love it. It's so good. Um, but he does all that and and then gets in the in the transfer portal. Nobody knows who Montana Lamonius Craig is, but he just had 168 yards in the most publicized spring game in the entire country. He's now one of the more sought-after wide receiver transfers out there. Him and Jordan Tyson, the other Colorado receiver that's transferring, who I think was like the leading receiver last year. You let these guys get a chance to show what they got and then get in the portal, right, rather than just running them off as soon as you get there so that they can 
um, get some better looks. I, like I, I guess I don't really have an issue with this. Is it a little cold-hearted? Yeah, but guess what? That team sucked. So, like, those guys probably aren't winning you games. And he's bringing in a bunch of dudes. I, I get the, like, downside to this of... I feel like some kids are getting screwed over. That I am totally sensitive to that. I have said that from the start about this whole thing. That like I, I think it should be about what's best for these kids. And some of this certainly is not. And there needs to be some regulations to get stuff like this under control. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I I, I don't think it's I don't think it's all bad. The impact on the kids is what's most interesting to me. How it will impact Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think both of us probably think that maybe it takes a year or two, but Dion is going to turn them into a pretty good team. Maybe not national championship contenders. Maybe they will be, but just the star power that he has, he is going to get enough talent that they're not going to be a 1-11 team going forward. They're going to be a bowl team. So the, the more interesting thing to me is what it says about portal what it says about the landscape of college football and this is always the you and i have both defended the portal because of the giving athletes rights part Mm -hmm. a lot of people seem to not be in favor of the portal and say things like oh kids are just going all over the place they get to choose and they're making bad decisions for themselves some of the time and you know players run the asylum now if they don't get any playing time well, here's an example of somebody who basically walked in and said, you're fired. Yep. Get out. And these kids are supposedly not employees. They are just student athletes and are being forced out from their, their role. The NCAA does have a rule that allows players to stay at a school if a coach comes in and basically takes away their position on the team. Yeah. They can stay at the school. But... Some of these kids are still trying to play professional ball and you're now taking away their ability to get opportunities at the next level. Mm. And but at the same time, they're not employees. So you like if if you're able to just be fired in that way, you have to be able to have some kind of rights, which is why people need to step in and like organize this in a better way than it is right now. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think that this there's some stuff here that that seems to certainly be the sort of downside to this new landscape and i think you gotta have some kind of regulation to kind of keep this keep this a little under control because you don't you don't want kids getting screwed over and totally sort of losing their opportunities and there's been some stories about some of these guys who were i guess sort of struggling to find landing spots and, and that is tough. And, and you want to make sure that, again, that, that what we're doing here in terms of allowing a little bit more freedom of movement for players is not ultimately creating a, a sort of choking some players out of spots. And and it is there is some tough stuff for high school recruits as well in terms of, of kind of the spots available already. And, yeah, I mean, I think this is a little bit of the ugly side of this. And I think potentially some exploitation of sort of the new system. But I, I, you know, again, I do do think that at the end of the day for Colorado's football program, they're probably going to be better off. And you hope that those kids all find spots and, and figure this out. But there's part of it of like, you know, you want more freedom of movement for players. This is the downside to that. There's a downside to everything. 
and, and I'm not saying it's perfect and I'm not saying that I want this to happen, but sometimes you kind of have to do some risk assessment and think about upsides and, and, and what outweighs what. Yeah, my point was just there's been so much focus on the player side of this. Sure. Players are sure. de- making demands. They don't get to play and they're immediately going to leave. How can coaches put together a roster? Well, here's a coach that's putting together a roster right. exactly the way he wants. Right. So, it, yeah, like players, the, the the balancing side is that players do need those opportunities to be able to transfer and Absolutely. not have it be penalized and not have to sit out a year just because a coach comes in and is like, get out. Like that, this is why that having, waiving those rules, having people not have to sit out a year is so important. Sure. There's two sides to that coin. Because, I mean, without the system, without the ability to move, he wouldn't be able to just bring in all those guys anyway. So, previously, if a coach came in and wanted to turn things over, you'd have to kind of wait out some people. Because they couldn't just all go. You couldn't just bring in a whole, as many new dudes as he's bringing in. And I think some of that could be the, the positive side of this. Every time there's a new coach... We talk about them needing time to change culture around a program, to, to change, to get their guys. Like, how many times do you hear that for a coach? Oh, well, we, we got to give them three or four years because you got to let them get their guys in and build the culture they want. Well, this is Dion accelerating that, right? His culture change, he's got no excuse now in terms of, well, I got to build a winning culture. I got to get the right guys in here. You are bringing in the people who you've been telling everybody who will listen, these are the right guys. And they're coming in right away. So... Year one, if you don't get a lot of success here, what's the excuse then? Because this is what you wanted. You're getting everything you want. So this is that's where I think this is a really good thing because this is putting the pressure on the coach. And that who that's who the pressure should ultimately be on. That is the person in charge of building the program. That is the person that we should hold accountable. Yes, players are important. What they do is important. But with the availability of the transfer portal... Deion Sanders' ability to construct a roster here is is what should be under the microscope. And if he can't have success with this unprecedented amount of roster movement, this ability to build a roster as he wants it from day one, if you can't succeed with that, then to me the leash is short as a coach. They are going to be the hardest team to model preseason. Yeah. Like, do you look at all these models? Like, Bill Connolly has a really good one that's mm-hmm. that's really solid about returning production and schedule and all this other stuff and how they're going to do. How do you even model this? Like, how do you model how Colorado is going to be? Hey, man, maybe you don't. You just let them play the games. Yeah, but I got to make bets before the season. Sure, sure. So what I am I supposed to do? I wouldn't bet on them. I, I, I honestly, I like, seriously, though, all jokes aside, I, I'm not touching them. Because I have no idea what to expect. So, I assume, what, Shador Sanders is going to come in and play quarterback? Probably. So, I, I don't know how his game translates to, you know, Power 5 football from, from Jackson State. I just don't know. Travis Hunter, the, the number one recruit from a couple of years ago, flipped from Florida State to Jackson State. You assume he can play at this level because he was rated that high as a recruit. But guess what we haven't seen him do? Play at this level. So, I don't know. They were. If you watched Jackson State with him, he was shutting down people as the number one corner, and then they'd throw him on offense, and he was unstoppable as a wide receiver. I just can't believe that he's going to do that in the Pac-12. Probably not. 
But then again, maybe they're not going to have a maybe they're not going to have a roster of ninety players. They may only have a roster of like forty five. They might have to play everybody in. Multiple well, he may positions. have to play both sides. But I don't think he's going to do it as dominant. I mean, if he is, then he's going to become the greatest football player we've ever seen. Like, but that's what makes it hard to project. Is you just yeah, you don't know, and and yeah, there there is no chance that I'm placing a bet on like their. I haven't even looked to see what like their win total line is or anything like that for this. I gotta think it's off the board. Yeah, because there's no way that anybody has a way to to like. If it's up there, it's going to be high because they're anticipating that random people are just excited about Dion and want to watch a lot of their games and want to root for them. So before the spring game was at five and a half, it's currently at four and a half. I'm gonna bet it. You just said you, just said you weren't going to touch it. I also said that Dave and Buster started Barnes and Noble. So, <laughs> who's that. the sucker for, for believing you're, bet, you're taking the over. I'm taking the over. Four and a half. You think they're not going to win five games? I don't know. I haven't looked at their I schedule. know I just said it. I, this is ridiculous. Like, I understand. If I'm a listener to this podcast, I'd be like, Jesus Christ, I hate this guy. Because he just said. <laughs> they do. They do say that. That's good. There's no chance he's touching it. But four and a half. I don't know. That's crazy. That's kind of low. What's their non-conference schedule look like? Colorado State, probably. Sure, 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 sure. Four and a half. That's so low. I do want to do one of the in the next couple weeks. I do want to do a over under best bets segment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, I'm looking at the schedule right now. We're just gonna break this down. All right. So first of all, this is a new uh, Colorado podcast. That's right. Go Buffs. They start the season at TCU. Loss. Not a great start. Versus Nebraska. Matt Rule. They're beating them. No loss. Okay. 0-2. Colorado State. Win. Oregon. Loss. USC. Loss. Arizona State. The Arizona State's one of the other teams that has the... They have the second most portal players on sure. both sides. So it's kind of tough to know what to expect from them. I'll call that a coin flip. Okay. Stanford. That's probably a win. UCLA. DTR's gone. Probably a loss. I don't know. UCLA's still pretty good. Oregon State. Is it in Corvallis? It's not. It's in Boulder. And it's homecoming weekend. Okay, then they'll probably win. If it was in Corvallis, I don't know. Those those beavers get pesky up there. Arizona. Win. Probably a win. So what are we at? Four? Four or five? Right there. That's where that line comes from. And you have Washington State. Utah, Lost. and then I love when teams put this on their schedule on their website, the Pac-12 championship game. Just everyone go ahead and make plans. See, I think they're going to beat Nebraska. So I've got them beating Nebraska, Colorado State, Arizona State, Stanford, Oregon State. Arizona. I got them with six wins. They We're going bowling in Boulder. <laughs> Let's go. That's my bet for the season. All right. Colorado Buffaloes. Every America's team, the good guys. Did Nobody you, could ever have a problem with the way that program's going to be run. Yeah, sure. Prime time. I kind of want to take the under, but four and a half is too low. That's so low. That's pretty low. Let's see if it goes back up once. You know, I, I just I don't know. Were there any other portal moves that you were interested in outside of Colorado that have happened in the last few weeks? I was very excited, uh, as Chris alluded to on our last podcast, that Malcolm Green. Yeah, uh, defensive back from Clemson, transferred to Virginia. Love that pickup for That's UVA. A good uh, former four-star joining his brother uh, on the team. 
What else? Any any um, other players that you were? I mean, honestly, my biggest one is the move that didn't happen, uh, which is MJ Morris is staying at NC State for when, for now. I mean, when is he going to leave? I don't know. Players leave during the season. Sure. No. What's going to happen here is, you know, he chose to stay. Good on him. Brennan Armstrong falls flat, and MJ Morris is starting sooner rather than later. I'm telling this you. This puts right me now. in a tough bind because I kind of want NC State to fall flat just because of Robert and I and Brennan Armstrong and all that. Sure. But I also don't want you to be happy about MJ Morris getting a start. So I need Brennan Armstrong to be good enough to where he doesn't get benched. Mm, how do I not how do I manage you, that you don't. tight walk? You don't. MJ Morris is an NFL quarterback and it's just yeah, sorry. It's not happening. He's not keeping him up. But I think that has been the thing in this portal is the quarterbacks. You know, you see, uh, what's his face, Buckner from Notre Dame, Notre Dame going down to Alabama because they struggled. They, yeah, that was a that was pretty surprising. You don't, you have not seen Nick Saban go out into the portal, particularly for quarterbacks like this, mm-hmm. in a way that they had their spring game. Their quarterback struggled, and he immediately was like, "We need something now." That offense looked bad, and like. If that's what they're going to look like, they may lose three or four games. Like, they are not going to be the Bama team that they have been. Because as much as we talk about Bama defense and, and the running backs and stuff like that, like, they've been anchored by really good quarterback play for a while now. You think through Bryce Young, Mac Jones, Tua, Jalen Hurts. There's just, if you can't get good quarterback play down there, it's going to be a struggle. So, with... um Tommy Reese uh, drawing up the offense and bringing him a quarterback that's familiar with him. Like, there's no doubt to me that he's going to be starting and he is a capable starting quarterback. That's an interesting one to me. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I'm most interested in how USC is going to rebuild because their offense was out of this world. They have Caleb Williams coming back. They're going to be one of the most fun teams to watch. Their defense was a disaster. And so Lincoln Riley has been focusing heavily on getting defensive players as he get, should. Getting Bear Alexander as one of the top recruits is is a big big get for them. But yeah, I, I think them them focusing on defense is important, and, and it'll be interesting to see how that builds out. I mean, offensively, you got to assume. Uh, I mean, Caleb Williams could be throwing the ball to my grandma, may she rest in peace, and uh, they'd still be a pretty stellar offense. So I, I think that um, yeah, if they can if they can get some more defensive pieces. And some consistency on that side of the ball, they're they're a dangerous team. The one, the other one that's kind of interesting in the Schadenfreude way is Michigan State. Mm. They're losing Peyton Thorne, who's been their starting quarterback for two years. They lose one of their best receivers in Keon Coleman, and I don't really know what's going on up there. After what a damn roller coaster, because they weren't supposed to be good two years ago, and they had that one that surprise that good one season. Year. Then they fell off. Now yeah. everybody's leaving. They signed their coach to a nine-year, $95 million guaranteed contract. And yes, now... Now they're getting, they're getting tucked over. Yeah. <laughs> you like that? I don't, have, I don't even have to bleep that one. Hey, man. That's what I'm here for, to, to conduct a family-friendly show. See, that's what I would do if I were Mel Tucker. Like, Mel obviously has a lot more pride mm-hmm. and competence than I have. But mm. if I got signed to a guaranteed contract of nine years... Man, I would not phone it in. 
like the minute this podcast becomes a multi-year signing, like it's just going to go downhill. This is going to be. I'm cutting this, by the way. We're not leaving this. Going to read my grocery list on here. (laughs) Yeah, sound like a filibuster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I. It's interesting because that's another quarterback out there who started games and had some success, and it, it is interesting to see that movement, especially of quarterbacks. We talked about quarterbacks leaving Notre Dame and. Sam Hartman goes into Notre Dame, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he does. Devin Leary leaves State to go to Kentucky. The one thing that's weird portal-wise is when players go in the portal, they like they barely even play for a team and then leave. Mm. So like Storm Duck, who went to UNC, yeah. transferred to Penn State in December, practiced with them for a couple months, uh-huh. and is now transferring to Louisville. Like, what did you... Did you did you just really hate it up there, or sure. what's? And then Cameron Kelly's another example. He's he's leaving Virginia after just like a few months, and he had been with UNC, also going to Louisville. They have one thing in common: they're both Carolina guys, which means you can can't trust them, and they're probably communist. <laughs> Tar Heels always say goodbye. <laughs> That's good. There you go. Good callback. So I had an idea for a segment. As in my real-time job, I work in leadership curricula, Mm. and one thing that gets referenced a lot is like, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, like 1% Better. Yeah, yeah. It's like this idea of just small changes in your life can produce over time, accumulating a little bit here, a little bit there. At the end of the day, you end up making some very positive changes. And so I was thinking about the ACC, and some of the teams in there, and almost from a PR standpoint, what would I change to make them better? Oh, interesting. So, like, you know, I could just say Carolina don't exist anymore. Yeah, that would that's be great. What, that's but that wouldn't be would... that wouldn't be productive, right? That's not. Uh, I mean, it would be productive for us. But you know, one percent better. How could we make just incremental changes? Sure. To make programs more likable, maybe make their fans more likable, just, you know, improve our overall perception of each one of these teams. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can I'm down for this. I think I have some thoughts. Okay. So I have I have all these written down, but sure. Feel free to chime in whenever. So I'll start with a coastal. Coastal division. Coastal coastal chaos. Let's go. So rest in peace, coastal division. But Duke. Mm. Get your students to actually go to games. Yeah. Also, football specifically. Football specifically. Are these all football specifically? I was mostly thinking about football when I was doing this, but I think, you know, it can apply to either. Also, they got to get rid of those cringe, you know, reports that they do, the students put together, like pregame of like, oh, here's your chance that here's what you need to know about your opponent. And they put together these things. And a lot of it's just like, here's a weird Instagram picture of them. Sure. This like, happens in a lot of college student sections. But though. they they are like known I, I, for it. It's that. like UVA very cringe. It no. Soon. Not like that. Okay. They have like sure. they have like booklets that they hand out to students. Like they're it's gonna, usually one sheet of paper. Okay. I think it's cringe a lot. Of I it. that's I think some of it is very dumb. I, I like educated heckling. Okay, but you actually have to have something not just like your Instagram picture looks kind of weird when you were eating that thing, like, or your girlfriend broke up with you once. Oh no, that's funny. And now you're dating somebody maybe better. Ah, uh, that's less funny. Yeah, no, I, I, you improved your situation. <laughs> like, come on, you're majoring in econ. I, 
The um, no, I agree. I uh, I think getting getting students to go to football games is better. I've always felt. Have you been to Wallace Wade? Yes, and so I, have, I think I think they just need to. And it has gotten much better than it was. Like I went when I went to grad school, I went down to see UVA play, and the bathrooms there. I don't know yeah. if you've been in the bathrooms, but they had a big circle urinal. Yeah. Where trough. You're, the, the trough, but it's circular, not on a yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah. You're like you're... staring, making eye contact to people. Hopefully, and then they didn't have they didn't have doors on the stalls. Uh huh. This is so, Duke. It yeah. costs like sixty thousand dollars a year to go to Duke. Yeah, can't afford stall doors. I mean, I, I'm supposed to be one percent better. I'm supposed to just focus on one thing. Students, you should go to the games at this lovely facility. Well, of my Wallace point was going to be, I think, if you could. Upgrade the stadium. I think more people would then. Then yeah, you upgrade the experience. I feel like Duke fans like revel in their non-going to football games, even though the football yeah, program has been pretty decent. You, the people, the people who go there now, don't have any clue of what preceded them oh, by they twenty years. So they certainly do not. Uh, yeah, I look forward to Mike Elko Stadium. <laughs> <laughs> In like three years, after they they make a couple more bowls and be like, yeah, build the guy a stadium. Sure. All right, so that's I'm into that. Georgia Tech, go back to the triple option. Ooh, hate it. No, it's fun. Go go back to bring back Paul Johnson. Go to the triple option. Just be that weird team that wins seven games and is fun and goes for it on fourth down every time. Mm-mm. Don't try to don't try to do normal college football things. Okay. Uh, my one for them would be hire Josh Pastner to coach your football team. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, my one would be actually. How about you recruit your your area? Like get some recruits from Atlanta and the greater Atlanta area. I know that Georgia's there too, and it's hard. But guess what? There's a lot of talent in the state of Georgia, and a lot of it's getting out. Mm-hmm. So recruit your talent. And guess what they can't do if they run the triple option? Recruit their talent. Those guys don't want to go do that. got to be a hell of an engineer. A hell of a, hell of a, hell of a, hell of a, hell of an engineer. Well done. Yeah, they need a new song too. Miami, get an on-campus stadium, which is yes. what they're working on. Yeah. But their current stadium, Hard Rock Stadium, is 21 miles away from their main campus. Which Just in ridiculous. Miami takes almost an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do you expect students to go there? And, like, I don't know, man. That's ridiculous. Now, they are working on that, and mm. the mock-ups I've seen for what the new stadium might look look, look like are pretty cool. Mm. So they got to get that over the finish line. But it's just ridiculous. Like, this is supposed to be some one of the all-time great programs, and yeah. they can't even get people to go to the games. It's, like, I, more empty than any other stadium of a major program. I would agree with building an on-campus stadium but if i had to think of a different one i would say miami was at its coolest when like their players were murdering people and stuff i think they should bring where's that. the cocaine bring, bring the cocaine that back. back bring that back come on mario uh when you had um oh what they call themselves like the eighth floor crew or whatever they did their whole rap video greg olson and all of them Let's yeah bring that back that's what i need at miami sure i just love it because it so doesn't match the actual fan base and what Miami is like I growing up my image of what Miami was like when I found out that it's like a little private school that's <laughs> kind of Duke like sometimes in some ways like same with USC I was just like wait what <laughs> how but Ray Lewis mm, not so much more murder
Well, sorry. More drugs is probably better to say. Sure. Uh, North Carolina. Change the color. I oh, that is so kind of you. So should, diplomatic. Should, I shouldn't have to look at it. Like, I would, I'm not going to ever like North Carolina, but I would like them a little bit better if they didn't sting my irises. Mm. Corneas? I don't know. what The part of the eye that sees I do, I the, just both eyeballs. of them. Well, I didn't say that. So... I, it, it would make it would make the experience of watching the game better if yeah. I didn't have to see that. So I kind of like. Okay, so first of all, there's been some real bad. First, I like some of their like throwback stuff. It's better now than when they had those the like Marquise Williams era, like black and Carolina blue stuff that they did. Yeah. Hated that. When they do the navy. As like the primary and the Carolina blue just kind of offsets it. I can kind of, but then you're getting into Duke territory. You're getting into your. But it's a darker color. Duke's more of like a royal blue. Still though, it's, it's closer. Of, but I, it, I don't know. It just looks better, just objectively. I think. But, but it looks better because there's less of uh, a horrible no, for color. Sure, for right? sure, no, hundred percent. I think they're awful. My thing for them would be, I think that Carolina should have a self-imposed <laughs> postseason. No. Uh, <laughs> Like a self-imposed ban on selling merchandise outside of like the state of North Carolina, maybe. Because I think one of my problems with Carolina is like fans, random fans in places that just like their one connection to Carolina is that they have a Walmart in their town and they happen to be selling a Carolina thing and they bought it. And like, I love Michael Jordan. Been a while. Been a while. Pit. Hmm. And this is where now a theme is going to emerge with some of my remaining ones. Get their own stadium? I don't. No, I don't care about them. I don't like when fans use something that is, they, they think of themselves as like having a unique tradition, but it's not unique to them. Oh, I know so what this is going to be. So like there are a bunch of fan bases that are like, oh, bah, we do. We, bah, bah. Yeah. So Sweet Caroline, that is not your thing, Pitt. It is frequently yeah. used in Boston. It is yeah. frequently used in the UK. Mm-hmm. It's used in your own state at Penn State has used mm-hmm. it more loudly than you have. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense for you. Like it's yeah. complete. Like what, how is that going to get people excited between the third and fourth quarters when you're playing that? Right. You know Pat Narduzzi hates it. You know he's seething. I think he just hates everything. Right. Well, that's why. This, <laughs> this, is, this is something. The Yeah, I... I have an internal struggle around that specifically because the Panthers do use it. But, like, I I can sort of understand the sweet Caroline and, like, Carolina. Carolina. But is that, their th- is that really their thing? Like, no, it's not. It's I mean, they play, it, they play it after every win. And so it is, like, a thing. But it's always a thing that I think a lot of the fan base is sort of lukewarm on. And it's just kind of, like, for a lot of the reason that you're saying. We see it used all over the place. And it, I'd say it's most commonly associated with the Red Sox. And it just doesn't really make much Like, get your own thing, which I think right. is kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, exactly. My one thing for Pitt would have been the color change when they had, like, the the Larry Fitzgerald. I don't know why. The I gold. Just, the, like, that, old, that gold. And they went back to what they have now, which is kind of the old school. I don't like the numbers on their uniforms. Yeah, they're very uh, jagged. But I do like the script Pitt. Well, the, the script is great. It's beautiful. Script, script is great. Don't change that. Don't, Don't change that at all, but change your numbers on your uniforms. And I think that's really all. I, they're just so irrelevant to me. Even though they win a decent amount. Yeah, which is crazy. UVA, my alma mater. 
couple things so came to mind. So curious to hear where you go. Well, but the the easiest one for me to point out is like fans, we got to stop chanting either homophobic things in the middle of the good good old Definitely song stop or yeah. f tech in the good old song. I'm fine with that. It's it's funny. better than being homophobic. I think it's still not great. But booing transfers is cool. Sure. Shouldn't have left. Yeah. I think I mean UVA has some other ones too. I don't like their uniforms since they went to the new uniform look and Garbage. they have not won anything since then. Fix it Nike. But yeah, I also could have flagged the fact that they think dressing up for games, which I will say that I think is goes on a lot less than when I went to school. Mm, like it, it is definitely decreased. Like when I went to school, it was all people in jackets and stuff and a mm. hundred degree heat, which I always thought was stupid. And people thought it was like a tradition at UVA when it's really just like all Southern schools anywhere. So, but I'm going to focus on the good old song. Fix, fix that. Let's just sing the song and not add lines to it. I don't mind the tech line because i like state has a similar right in the red and white song we the the line is over the hills of carolina and we always sing go to hell carolina and i Mm. think it's carolina so like yeah i mean it's fine i don't have a problem with that the um interesting i struggle with one thing to change about uva not because i have a lot and not because i have none i just it's hard for me to identify like a single thing i think that it's there is a living in this area there is a similar thing that i experienced with carolina where there's a lot of people who just kind of latch on as fans and are not actually super invested so they just they just be saying stuff which i recognize that like this podcast is hosted in a place where those fans be saying stuff but those are but those are informed fans and that's the difference sure yeah i mean i think that I think that and the thing I've been struggling with recently with UVA among fans is like have some realistic expectations when it comes to football. Like mm-hmm. we talked about that in that last episode with Chris. Like understand that like basketball, great. And a lot of the other sports, great. Swimming, baseball, lots of success. Like football. Not get, one of them. Just get back to being like okay. <laughs> I think most fans would be okay with that. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. But I think it, we'll see. Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. The keys thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did some research on this because a lot of Tech fans, again, I have been told by no fewer than many Tech fans about how this is their unique thing that only Virginia Tech does. It's a key play. It's because it's a key play on third down. And so in order for anybody to understand that it's a key play, I will show you my keys. That's right. In addition to that being... The dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. It is used all over the place. Michigan uses it. Yeah. Arizona State uses it. I was doing some research on this, and God, if there's I a historian... not listening. What? I hope my wife isn't listening. Uh, I hope she is listening. This will be informative. Oh. The original use, as far as I can tell, of keys being jangled during games comes from Northwestern hmm. in the 80s, where, this is where it gets kind of problematic, they were jangling keys... Because even though they were losing the game, they were saying that other people were going to have to still go get their cars because they were, uh, what's the term? Like you drop off your car. Valet? Yeah. Basically like the other team was so below them. Here's my keys to go pick up my car for me. Yes. Yes. So that's not a good look for Northwestern. But that's the first use of jangling keys. 
that I've So it's interesting. I my exposure to it West Virginia does it too. Also. Yeah. Oh, you never want to be in the same boat with them. My exposure to it bef- prior to having a lot of exposure to Virginia Tech was doing it. I feel like we did it a lot at Elon for basketball when it's clear you're going to win a game and it's like a warm up the bus kind of. Okay. And you got to get out of it. We would do it and, and sing na 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 na. Steam. Yeah. Is that what that song's called? Well, that's the band. Oh. What's the song called? Na 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 na. Hey, hey, goodbye. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we would do that. And, and I think that that's fine. I don't know. It seems like a pretty typical fan thing to me. I, I think that's the thing I would. I, I don't know how to capture this, but tech fans just always seem to think that everything they do is like uniquely theirs and they are so special. And I, I don't have an anti tech thing. It's just like. I don't know. Just accept that you're just another program. Like you could say, you have a really great environment. You do. You, do. you have a great Lane football. Stadium's awesome. You have a football the, the, program that has been consistently great since Frank Beamer got there for decades. And you have a loud stadium that makes a big difference. That's all great. I'm not. I'm not criticizing any of that. I'm just saying, I tech fans say this all the time. They have websites and Twitter accounts that are devoted to this and. It's not unique, man. Yeah. It's you got Inner Sandman. You have an explosive entrance. It's cool. I know that you don't like whatever, but it's cool. It's fine. You have a thing. Here's my thing I would change about tech, though. Other than just, like, I don't know if that's a thing. That they're turkeys? I would just like for them, I know that you're going to totally disagree with this, and I understand, but I just think that it would make them, if we're talking about what would make them better, respectable, just win a championship in something. Yeah, I disagree. I know you do. Hey, that bass fishing, fishing championship, don't don't erase that. Well, like, give them like a tennis championship. Yeah, they can come take it. They can come <laughs> take it whenever they want it. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know, man. I just feel like maybe it's the the being around the coaching and the participation trophy generation. But I just feel bad that you got them in Kansas State out there. It's flou- not floundering. It's, it's not. Okay, it's not Virginia Tech fans' fault that Frank Beamer wanted to put up the stat, the empty case for where their national championship trophy would go because it was inevitable. Yeah, that was his choice. Nobody made them. Nobody made him do that. Cannot do that. Oh man. Moving on from Virginia Tech. Yeah. Going to the ACC Atlantic, Boston College. This one is a little bit. This one is a little bit hard because I don't perceive them to have any kind of actual personality so this is but i think that's part of the problem all their fans just kind of glom on to pro sports there Uh and like boston college which has a actual rich history of football does is like an afterthought whereas it's like oh we got to go to the red Sox game and the bruins not them anymore though (laughs) anyway the uh (laughs) but like i don't know they they don't have like, they don't really have traditions or anything hateable about them, but they also don't embrace their team that much. It seems like everyone's just kind of there mm. rooting for pro teams, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we also have a team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think Boston's unique in the college sports landscape because you have smaller schools. You have Northeastern, Harvard, BU for things like hockey. You know, like, there's a presence of other schools I think my thing with Boston College would be a a branding update, a uniform update, something to 
when you watch them in any sport, their uniforms are bland. It's just, there needs to be some more oomph there, I think. Because you're right, I don't really perceive them, period. Like, I feel like it's a weird thing where every time State has them on the schedule for any sport, I'm just like, oh, yeah, them. Mm-hmm. So, to me, maybe a branding update would make that better. Their gold helmets aren't even shiny. They're kind of dull. Yeah. They're, and they're gold. Or, like, throw a just a BC logo or a cool, like, eagle logo on there. I don't know. Something where I watch it and I'm like, yeah, that's BC. Not just, like, yeah, that's Florida State, but their logo fell off the helmet. Or, <laughs> like, that's some directional school in the MAC or something like that. Because you just don't really know. Yeah. They, they honestly, when I see them play football especially, it reminds me of the, like, in the um, NCAA football 14 when you play, like, FCS Southeast. And it's just, mm, like, nondescript. That's, that's who they are. Sure. Clemson. Mm. I think what they need to do is create a rocket, <laughs> put Dabo Swinney in it, and fire it directly into the sun. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Instant upgrade. As soon as you said rocket, I was like, hell yeah. If if you say anything other than put Dabo on that thing. Just one-way ticket, baby. Oh, man. Wouldn't they be so much more likable? Mm Mm-hmm. Just instantly. I'm not saying they would would be likable, but they'd be more likable. Yeah, that's all. We're just talking about small changes. This one actually would be a pretty significant change, I think. Because I don't really, I don't dislike their basketball program. Even with Brad Brown now, who I'm just kind of like, eh. But like. I don't hate Clemson, but... You think Dabo would, like, sprint into the rocket? He would. He would absolutely... He would sprint into the sun. I'm all in! <laughs> he would be evangelizing right until the last oh, moment man, of time. Oh, man. I can't... I can't add anything to that. So, that's oh, the one. On. I don't love the orange and purple, but whatever. I kind of do like that. I like the purple. Wow. Bring that back. FSU. This one's pretty easy. Get rid of the tomahawk chop, man. It's... It's, it's 2013. No, it's 2023. Like, I think, yeah. I don't know. In addition to them doing it on, like, every single down, like, they'll sure. gain, like, two yards and do it. That's annoying. But then, like, maybe it's appropriating, too. Like, just find something else. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I get it. I know you're a Braves fan, so I, you're tough. you're trying to. I'm very know. conflicted about it. I really yeah. am. Because there are, I know that there are native groups that have said, like, yeah, this, we don't care. This is fine. There's some that probably, I'm sure they have issues with it, too. And that's uh, difficult. And I think, yeah, it has a tradition with a, a team that I like as well. I, I have always thought, even in periods where I didn't feel conflicted, you know, when I was younger, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's a cool thing they do. I always have felt like Florida State did it too much. I, I'm kind of hung up on uniform stuff at this current moment. And I do think I wish Florida State would go Back. They are they are tinkering with the helmets to go back. Good. Because the other ones look just like too I don't new. like the numbers either. I like the mm. old school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I and I like when but I do like when they wear black. Yeah. They have a cool they have, they have a, a cool, cool version. That, it works well. Yeah. Louisville. Uh-huh. Again, this one was tough. Originally I had put down Get Over Johnny Unitas <laughs> because they had this whole thing about like this statue and where it was going to go in their new stadium and like whether players were going to be able to touch it and whether Johnny was going to be able to oversee the field, which was a big thing Mm. apparently for people. Okay. But I'm going to just be a little bit more general and say, find a real rival. 
all your rivals mm. are not in the conference, and then they joined the conference, and they were like, all right, we're going to make them play UVA every year. UVA will be their rival. Mm-mm. Nah. No. Doesn't worked out. Don't care about Louisville. All, all the other ones are like in like Cincinnati or Kentucky or whatever. Like, just maybe just go leave the conference. Yeah, Get I out. that honestly, that would be my one is leave the ACC. That's they are the most out. They are one of the two teams that to me feels super out of place. And I'm gonna say it again for the other one when you get there. But if if that's if that's off the table, if that's too big of a thing, no, that's fine. I rebrand your damn basketball arena, the Yum Center. What is this? At least they at least they got rid of Papa John from their football true name. So true. But KFC Yum. KFC Yum Center. I just remember when they had to do the they had that memorial for Muhammad Ali at mm-hmm. the KFC Yum Center. <laughs> are you kidding me? People are gonna frame their. Is there a bigger jabroni move <laughs> than to have a memorial for one of the greatest athletes, greatest Americans to ever live at the fucking KFC Yum Center? Yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh. Uh NC State. Yeah, go for your it. team. Yeah. Um, Grow a pair. No, that wasn't it. Sure. I hate, this is not unique to NC State, but I hate when teams have the oversized logo thing that like goes way Uh, too big. Especially since UNC, or NC State has two pretty good logos. They had Mm. the throwback one with that, the wolf with the tongue out that looks kind of like goofy. That one's pretty cool. Yeah. Bring that guy back. Or... The triangle one with the NS, the diamond S, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. what I grew up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. That's and good. instead, they have one that's like, it looks like I don't know. It's not usually. It's only that big on one version of the helmet. Right, but the, oh, come okay. on, just fix it, man. So uh, sorry. The also, one of our also, also stop. You know, stop with no, this. This, this is action. classic. This the wolf is. It's the for. It's not. Sorry. McGraw doesn't understand that podcasts are not a visual medium. Not yet. We will be adding some. Visual You're content. so right, but. Currently, what he's doing is the hand gesture that Wolfpack fans do signify a wolf, uh, which I will say, understandable gripe, is that this is American Sign Language for llama, mm-hmm. which is confusing. But it's also not what as- elementary school teachers use to like get kids to be quiet. They're like, the wolf ears are listening. Yeah. You know? And they always are. I'm interested what you would I think the Tuffy logo is great and uh, like the strutting wolf, all versions of that and the one with the the, the tongue out, fantastic. The one thing I would change, see the thing is, is like, should it be, I guess we've done some stuff that's like the fan base. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can do the fan base. Anything that would make the perception of them better. Sure. All right, guys, listen up, state fans. All of you, we're not cursed, Okay. We're just mediocre. I fall into it sometimes. I get it. It feels like it at times. And there's a common thing. It's known as NC State It happens not because of some universe thing. It's just because our athletic programs, for a significant chunk of recent history, were just not that well run. So cursed. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But it's not some karmic thing. It's just that we didn't do a good job overall. Where's Chuck Amato? What's he up to? Probably coaching one of the most penalized teams in the country somewhere. So I do think there's reason to be optimistic. But I get it. You have referred to our fan base 
several times as the most delusional fan base, at least in the conference, you might have said in the country at one point. I, I don't know. A lot of schools out there, but... I think our fan base is a really big turnoff to, to a lot of people. I, I think mm-hmm. it's obnoxious. I get it. I hate them sometimes, a lot of the time. I think it holds us back sometimes. Now, that being said, when it's good, it's good. Like, it is an extremely passionate fan base. Recruits constantly talk about that. But I, I would shift the way of thinking. I, I, I would change that idea that we are... That every time we lose a game, it's because the universe has conspired against us. And it's like, hey guys, we are one of very few programs to have won multiple basketball championships. There's not all that many that have done it. We've never done it in football. But guess what? There's a whole lot of teams that haven't done it in football either. We talked about this, I can't remember if it was last episode or when, but only one team gets to finish this thing with a championship in every sport. Sometimes you just have to say, cool, we're competing. This is fun, right? And like, you don't have to think. It comes back to the NFL draft conversation we had earlier. People were like, oh, these guys went undrafted. What a travesty. It's a conspiracy against NC State. No, it's just some of them are kind of slow or small or maybe dumb. I don't know. We have flaws. Just deal with it. That's all they are. They're flaws. That's what I would change. Okay. No flaws. That's much bigger than mine. Just going back to the diamond thing. On the yeah. Well, years of some of years were. were yeah, no, that's fine. You know. No, I'm gl- I'm glad you. Could I'm sorry. I wish we things. wouldn't dress certain ways at games. Like, Perfect. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Bring back the fat guy on the pole with the. Oh, I do. <laughs> I, do miss, I do miss that guy. Yeah. I, I, there you go. I would watch more games. Uh, Syracuse, because Jim Beheim's not there, that was taken away from me. Yeah. So I'm just going to complain about the dome. Mm. Like your dome should not be a football stadium and a basketball stadium and where you play lacrosse games and you probably host cotillions. <laughs> like, I, come on, like and a hangar for military aircraft. Right? Like, uh, I don't know, man. Get a get a basketball arena. No, That's I totally opinion. totally agree. But but it's kind of major because it's like that's their. Aren't we quirky? This is our identity, and it's it's dumb. Yeah, it's a dumb identity. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Uh, two more. Wake. This one I think is important mm-hmm. from a historical standpoint. They need a new name and mascot. Disagree. Demon Deacons makes no sense. I was doing the research on this, and the history is that it was first published in the twenties in a paper after Wake reportedly beat. Trinity, mm-hmm. now known as Duke, yeah. in a football game. Mm-hmm. However, the historical record of that year shows that they didn't even win that game. Mm. Trinity actually won that game 3 nothing. So it's based on a lie. Yeah. And their guy is like a Baptist yeah. top hat tuxedo wearing. Like he looks like he's about to, I don't know, go to some kind of rally. I don't know what kind of mm, rally it is, okay. but he's going to yeah, a rally. Sure he is. Yeah. A revival. A Baptist it, revival. Sure. It's fine. Look, I, I I couldn't disagree with you more here. I it's a unique we need more unique what do you want to change with the Bulldogs or the Tigers? The fighting wildcats. The wildcats. See like Wake Wildcats. No, stupid. I mean you can still make it unique. You can pick something else that's not not based on a lie and based on a rival school. Like No, I love that. And it, and it doesn't make sense. De- what it still it demon have, deacon doesn't make any it doesn't sense. Doesn't have to. It's like one of the most identifiable brands in college sports. It's it might be the single greatest thing Wake Forest has going for it. 
When you hear Demon Deacons, everyone who follows college sports at all, anywhere in the country, is like, that's Wake Forest. Well, yeah, there aren't any other Demon Deacons. Exactly. Okay. That doesn't make it good. That just makes it unique. No, it's identifiable. And and that's what that program needs is some name recognition. I like a lot of things about Wake, but the name... Doesn't work. I like mascots. Got to go. There was an era. I don't think it's as true anymore. But if you went to Wake basketball games, they always had cool. The guy there, they had cool tie dye shirts, like the gold mm-hmm. and black tie dye. Yeah. It was a big thing in like the Chris Paul era, mm-hmm. Skip Prosser era. <sighs> yeah, may he rest in peace. You know what they should? Here's what I would do for Wake. Yeah, this is so easy for me. I would go back in time to about 2013. <laughs> I think it actually was around then. Dino Gaudio mm-hmm. never should have been fired. He was pretty good. Yeah, he should still be there. He would still be there. And they would be going to tournaments regularly. Guess what they haven't done? Going to tournaments. Steve Forbes has him so close. He's a hook at there. By the way, Syracuse was my other kick him out of the conference one. Yeah. Then I'm Louisville. Bye. Go back to the Big East. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. Last school, Notre Dame. Oh, we're counting them. I mean, I'll uh, throw them on at the end. Since they don't want to pick a lane... You know, we're at, we're at war, yeah. Notre Dame. Yeah, Pick a true. side. I know you are trying to get your own $75 million Ooh, TV Protestants deal. Protestants versus Catholics. Yeah, that's, that's crazy stuff. I don't know. Like, I also would like a $75 million TV deal, but doesn't mean I should get it. We're working on it. I, I don't think Notre Dame is one of those schools that has so many traditions that, like, some of them are cool and some of them are just dumb. Play so, like a champion today. Yeah, like that one's like kind of, okay, maybe that one, you know, yeah. a lot of people have, it, that was like at least one of the original versions of that, that people have kind of changed. Touch, touch this thing before you play kind of thing. Yeah, but like they're, careful, they're, uh, like the paint on their helmets is, comes from like this, the paint of the chapel I don't exactly know where it is, but they use the same paint that has like real actual gold in it. And it's so the dome like, of the chapel, right? right That's why yeah. the golden dome. Yeah. Right. So, and then they call themselves domers, yeah. which you know, hey. so does Syracuse. So yeah, those are my those are my ACC one percent better. In some cases, more than one percent. So wait, what are you doing with Notre Dame? I missed that part. Oh, I think that they need to pick pick a conference. Gotcha. Like they're either in or out. In or like, or get off the pot. Right. I don't think like it's ridiculous. You don't care which one though. You don't care if they go in no, or all the way. I don't they care. just have to do I one mean, of the honestly other. for the reasonably for the long-term health of the ACC, it would be great for them to come into the conference. Yeah. I think it's unlikely to happen and it's much more likely for them to be in the Big 10. Mm-hmm. Like the money aside, just pick one. It's ridiculous that they get to play basketball in our conference and then not football. They get to just choose all their but, oh, but we get oh, we schedule five games with yeah. you a year where we, you know, come on, like, yeah, like it's I, I would like to be able to do that. I would like for state to be able to play basketball in like the Big South and just get an automatic bid to the tournament because you, you imagine more... if Alabama had the ability to pick seven of their games and then just oh. have some deal with the SEC. We're like, yeah, we'll play, we'll play Vanderbilt and sure, Arkansas sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sometimes Arkansas. That'd be a good name of a country album. Sometimes, Sometimes Arkansas. Arkansas. Yeah, I'm with you on this. I also would like for them to stop messing around with their football uniforms. When they do the Shamrock Series alternate stuff, they're mm. almost always stupid. Just stick to the classics. I like the green jersey every now and then. I do like the green jersey. They have but a pretty terrible like, record with it, which also makes me happy. Yeah. It gets me excited. When they played when I see in them. Yankee Stadium and did that like with the pinstripes on the uniform. No. That was dumb as hell. 
No. Yeah. They do have an iconic uniform, and they shouldn't. They're one of the few, like them and Penn State. You just don't. Agree. Don't touch it. Alabama. Don't touch it. Yeah. Totally. Okay. All right. That's all I got. Cool. Cowboys never say goodbye. <laughs>